everyone in the room and those of you uh, tuning in online, we are so glad that you have chosen to worship with us this morning. For those of you who may not know me, uh, my name is Caitlin Mapes and I am the high school director here at Calvary. And I am so excited to dive into week two of our new series, Questions Jesus Asked. And today, we are going to talk about a question that has convicted me a lot over the last few years. Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And if you have spent more than five whole minutes with me, you'll know that it's a little bit ironic that I'm the one who's teaching on this question today because I'm the type of person who worries about literally everything. But I'm excited to dive into this question today with all of you. But before I do that, I want to define what the word worry means. Because I'm going to be using that word a lot in the next 25 minutes, and it can mean a ton of different things. See, I think that worrying is sometimes a natural response, like getting nervous before a big test or getting nervous before you preach a message, or when you get worried that you are not going to get the job that you are applying for, interviewing for, or when we worry that there's going to be a bad outcome for a loved one who is sick or who is in the hospital or who is having surgery. See, I think this type of worrying is triggered by something specific. And usually, our worrying stops after the thing that caused it also goes away. But then there's also the type of worrying that affects us a little more deeply. And it's this kind of worrying that might be caused by something small, like a test or a job interview, but it becomes consuming where we become fixated on the thing that we are worrying about, and where it's difficult to mentally move on from worrying, and where we sometimes continue to worry even after the thing that we were worried about is resolved. And it's this type of worrying that I think Jesus is actively calling us away from when he asks us, can all of your worries add moments to your life? But as a person who worries, I also get jealous sometimes of the people who don't seem to worry at all. And my husband, Jeffrey, is one of those people. So Jeffrey and I have been married for almost five years. And a few years ago, we were on a camping trip in the Boundary Waters. And one of our favorite pieces of camping gear is this tent that actually floats up up off the ground. And I think I have a picture, or I should. Yes, that. But you strap it to three trees, and you sleep in it like a hammock. And it seems ridiculous, but it's actually super practical because you don't have to pack a sleeping pad. And you never have to worry about finding a flat spot on the ground that doesn't have any rocks or any stumps so you can pitch your tent. So we canoe into our first site for the week and we set up camp. And as we're cleaning up from dinner, we start to see these very scary, dark-looking storm clouds rolling in across the lake. And so we pack everything up, and we get ready for bed, and we get inside the tent. And when the storm hit, you guys, I realized everything that was wrong with having this floating tent, okay? Because the wind started to pick up from the storm, and it was starting to shake the trees that we were connected to, and our tent started to get pulled in three different directions. And with the rain fly on, I couldn't see anything that was happening. And I wasn't on solid ground, and the wind just kept getting louder and louder. And I kept getting more and more freaked out. 
And Jeffrey was trying his best to calm me down and assure me that no, the trees were not going to get struck by lightning and crush us in our sleep, even though that's all I could think about in the moment. And he was doing a pretty good, good job of, of consoling me. But then a little while later, I, I realized that having a partner who does not worry is sometimes very helpful. And sometimes it's not so helpful. Because as I'm literally having a meltdown on my side of the tent, five minutes later, I start to hear Jeffrey snoring. Yes. <laughs> so the, the, the same storm that had sent me into a panic literally rocked my incredibly empathetic husband to sleep. Two very different responses to the same situation. And this is a story <clears throat> that I can look back on now and I can laugh about. But, but this was just one of the many moments <clears throat> excuse me, in my life where worrying took over, where I couldn't recover easily because panic had set in. See, a few years ago, I was diagnosed with general anxiety disorder, which, which Mayo Clinic defines as severe ongoing anxiety or obsessive worrying that interferes with daily activities. And this is something that I've struggled to accept because I hate that there are days where my anxiety is so bad that it prevents me from operating normally. And I get so caught up in what I'm anxious about that I can't be my best self. And so as we are walking through this topic today, I want you to know that there is still so much that I am learning but I'm excited to share how God has shown up for me in the midst of my anxiety and what I believe he promises. I think for a lot of us, this last year has been full of moments of worry. Whether it was worrying about yourself or a loved one getting sick from COVID, worrying about how the pandemic would impact your job or your income, or worrying about political unrest in the state of our country. And whether you are a person who experiences anxiety on a daily basis or not, since this time last March, there has been a lot to worry about. And in the moments when worry takes over, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus asks us, can all your worries add moments to your life? And we're going to spend some time in a passage of scripture today that walks us through what that question means, how we can answer it, and what it looks like to trust God in the midst of anxiety and worry. So whether you are here in the room this morning or you're watching online, I want to go ahead and invite you to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 25. But before we dive in, um, I want to talk about the context of these verses, so in Matthew 6, uh, we are in the middle of Jesus delivering the Sermon on the Mount. And in this message, Jesus focused on explaining to his followers what it looked like to follow God, what that looked like in action. But starting in verse 25, it says this, that is why I tell you to not worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. For isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? 
And why worry about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. And yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and then thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So do not worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, and what will we wear? For these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So if you've been attending church for a while, this passage might seem a little familiar because it's often used as a response to dealing with anxiety. And I want to dive deeper into what this passage says about who we are and who God is in the midst of anxiety because at face value, it's easy to read this passage and feel like it's a set of expectations and things that we aren't supposed to experience and that we aren't supposed to feel if we want to follow God. But in this passage, Jesus asks this question. Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And I think this question actually gets at what is at the root of worry and the root of anxiety. And I think that's a desire for control. See, the big difference between how I responded in the storm and how Jeffrey responded was based on how we both default when we are faced with something that we have no control over. So I got to a point where I couldn't stop worrying because I had no control over the situation and I was struggling with that. And Jeffrey had accepted that there was nothing that he could control. But again, this question, can all of your worries add moments to your life, exposes that false security that we find when we worry. Because when we don't have control, worrying feels like we're controlling something. But within the question Jesus asks here, there's a bigger question that I think that's also being asked. Because where there is a fight for control, there's also a lack of trust. Where there is a fight for control, there's also a lack of trust. So when Jesus asks, asks us, can worrying add moments to your life, he isn't saying don't ever worry or don't experience anxiety. I think he's asking us, do you trust me? Or in moments of worry, what would it take for you to surrender instead of fighting for control? And I believe Jesus asks this question in the first place because he understands that our experience and our outcome is going to be better if we give up that control. Because God can do more with our surrender than he can with our control. God can do more with our surrender than he can with our control. And giving up control is not easy. But in this question, Jesus is inviting us into an experience where we become less consumed with what we're worrying about and more consumed with who God is and what he promises. But what does this actually mean? And what does this actually look like? And what does surrender look like in action? 
I think the passage helps us see that surrender looks like trusting that God provides. Surrender looks like trusting that God provides. In verse 26, it says, Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? And I think this verse does two things for us. I think it puts our identity into perspective, and in doing that, invites us to surrender. See, Jesus is reminding us of our identity as children of God, and he even compares us to the rest of creation to remind us where we stand with him. And when God created humanity, he said it was very good. And Jesus is saying that even the smallest part of creation is cared for by God and has its needs met. So we can have confidence that our God will provide for our needs because we are valued even more. And this last year has been full of moments when a lot of us have been worried about not getting the things that we need. Whether it was the little things, like toilet paper, or bigger things like a steady income in an unstable economy. But the thing that has helped me move away from wanting control and move toward surrender is thinking back when it was super obvious that God did provide. Because if I can't imagine how God's going to provide for me in my current situation, at least I can have confidence that my God is the kind of God who provides because of what he has done for me. And when the Israelites were wandering in the desert, they would do this too with God. When moments of doubt or worry happened, they would think back to the Exodus story, where God provided for them in the biggest way by leading them out of slavery. And when it was hard to imagine how God would provide for them in the present, Moses reminded them to think back to the past, to remember the kind of God that they served and loved. And that ushered in trust. And so Jesus is inviting us to remember that God provides for our physical needs and our emotional needs, but I also think he's calling us to remember that God provided for our biggest need by sending Jesus to die on the cross. And so in moments of worry, when we doubt if God is going to provide, we can also have confidence that he already has provided for our biggest need, our need for a savior, And when we can rest in that truth and when we remember how God has provided for us in the past, we can also be reminded of what trust feels like. And when we trust, we start to fight less for control and move toward surrender. And the second thing I think this passage shows us is that surrender looks like remembering that we are known by God. Surrender looks like remembering that we are known by God. And looking back at verse 31, it says this. It says, so don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. Our heavenly Father, excuse me, already knows all of our needs. And our Heavenly Father knows all of our needs because every part of who we are is known by God. Because who could know us more deeply than the one who created us? 
And as I was sitting with this part of the passage, I spent some time thinking about what my life would look like if God didn't know me. If I lived in an alternate universe where God created me but didn't know me. And I think that would change the way that I view myself. And it would change the way that I feel about God because when we feel that we are known by somebody, that helps us believe that we matter. And when we believe that we matter, that changes everything. See, understanding that we are known has the power to change the way that we respond in moments of worry. Because in moments of worry, it's easy to feel isolated. I know that when I'm stuck in anxiety, it feels like I'm the only person in the world who is experiencing what I'm experiencing. And it feels like nobody else understands what I need. But if I trust that my God knows me, then I also trust that he knows why I am worrying in the first place. And that he knows who I am, and he knows what I need. In Psalm 139, it says, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down, and you are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You are present with me, behind me, and before me, and you lay your hand upon me. See, in moments when anxiety takes over and surrender seems impossible, it's passages like this one and passages like Matthew 6 that help me claim this truth, that who I am and what I need is fully known by the God who fully knows me. And if God can do more with my surrender, then maybe surrender looks like resting in the truth that I am known by God. And that we are not alone in what we are experiencing. And in the midst of our worry, we are loved by a God who knows us, a God who is with us, and a God who is fighting for us. And finally, I think this passage teaches us that surrender looks like seeking God. Surrender looks like seeking God. And in my journey with anxiety, I've always felt like this is the simplest and the hardest solution when I have moments of worry. See, I've had people in my life tell me that if I just stopped being anxious and chose to seek God instead, then I would feel at peace. And although there is truth in, in God providing peace, it's hard to remember that in the moment because it goes against everything that we naturally want to do. Because if the root of anxiety and the root of worry is a desire for control, then choosing to shift my energy and my attention away from what is worrying me and put that energy into seeking God feels like not controlling the situation. But in verse 33, it says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. See, again, we see Jesus inviting us out of our current experience and into an experience where we can receive everything we need. But in the moments where anxiety takes over, the thing that I'm worrying about becomes my whole picture, and my whole experience. It becomes my first response, and it becomes my reality. 
And all of my energy goes into trying to solve the problem or find a solution to the thing that's causing me to worry. But here, Jesus is inviting us to make him our first response because when he becomes our first response, then he also becomes our bigger picture. And this mental shift is so hard to do. And if you are here this morning and that seems impossible for you, I want you to know that it felt impossible for me too for a long time. And even now it's hard. But it took years for me to learn to stop, to take a breath, and to remember that God wants to be a part of the worry that I'm experiencing. And I don't have to experience that anxiety alone. And when I invite him into those moments, when I seek him, he promises to show up. Seeking God looks like inviting him into our anxious moments and trusting that he will show up. Because Jesus promises to give us everything that we need when we seek him. And everything we need is everything that he is. The God who continues to provide for us and the God who sees us and the God who knows us. See, I believe God can do more with our surrender than he can with our control. And surrendering looks like trusting that God will provide, remembering that we are known by God and seeking him in our anxious moments. But even if we know all of these things are true, that doesn't always make surrendering easy. And if you are here this morning and you are in a season where it feels hard to surrender or it feels impossible to trust, I want you to know that that's okay. You are seen, you are loved, and your experience is seen. And if you are here this morning and you are battling worry or battling anxiety, you are also seen and you are loved. Anxiety is hard. And it is a battle. And God does meet us where we are at. And he offers comfort in the midst of anxiety. But as someone who is learning what it looks like to surrender, I also believe that God is inviting us to experience something more. See, over the last few years, I've had so many moments where I felt stuck in my anxiety. Where it felt like even if I could, even if I could surrender, I couldn't imagine what it would look like to not live in anxiety. And I'm still learning every day what it looks like to surrender my worry and surrender my anxiety to God. But remembering that God can do more with my surrender has reframed the way that I live. Because yes, anxiety is real and the reasons that we worry are also real and there is validity in our experience. But what is even more true than our experience is the experience that God is inviting us into. An experience where we can be confident that we are provided for. Where we remember that we are known and that God is with us. And that experience can only come when we surrender. And if surrender can't happen all at once, then maybe it starts with one of those things. Maybe it looks like taking a moment to remember that God has provided in your life. Or maybe it looks like remembering that our God knows who we are and knows what we need. 
Or maybe it looks like just inviting him into the anxious moments instead of trying to control it ourselves. Or maybe you're one of those people who doesn't worry as much. And if that's you this morning, I would love to know your secret, but I would also love to encourage you to think about areas of your life where you need to surrender to God. Because sometimes we can have a hard time surrendering because we become too self-confident and too self-reliant that we forget our need for Jesus. And I would also love to encourage you to think about what it would look like for you to walk alongside somebody who is experiencing worry or anxiety and remind them that our God provides, that our God knows us, and that our God is inviting us to experience a life where we can be confident in who we are and what the world is throwing at us because we are confident in him. Wherever you are at this morning, Whatever your journey with worry looks like, God is inviting you to surrender. Because he can do more with our surrender than he can with our control. So what would it look like for you to surrender so God can do more in your life? To close, I want to read a psalm that I think does a great job of reminding us that God is our provider, that God knows us, and that God will give us what we need when we seek him. And if you are where I was, and you feel stuck, and you don't even know how to take that first step toward surrender, then maybe this psalm is a good place to start. And so I'm going to go ahead and ask everyone in the room and everyone who's watching online, go ahead, wherever you are at, and just close your eyes. I know it might seem weird, just trust me. Go ahead and close your eyes. And as I read this psalm, I want you to pay attention to the verses that stand out to you. What truth about God can you hold on to this week to help you surrender so that he can do more? Psalm 121 says this, I lift my eyes toward the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. The Lord protects you. And the Lord is a shelter right by your side. And the sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. And the Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and your going, both now and forever. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for everything that you are. God, thank you for being everything that you are because of everything that we need. God, I pray for the people in this room and myself included who are experiencing worry about this season, about what's ahead, God, about the things in our life that we can't control. 
And God, thank you for being a God who is in control and who can handle the little things and the big things. God, I pray that in moments where it's hard to surrender, God, we would remember that you are actively inviting us back to you to cast our worries and our anxieties on you because you can handle it and because you are inviting us into an experience where you can do more in us and through us. God, thank you for this morning. God, and thank you for everything that you are and who we are in you. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.